and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Hello and welcome to the Rochdale AFC.com podcast. My name is Dean. I am joined as always by Ryan. Ryan, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. And Chaff's with us as always. Chaff, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thank you. And we've also got Luke with us as well. Luke, how are you, bud? Good, thanks, lads. Good stuff. So, uh, we're all okay. We've all just about calmed down from the stress of the last two Dale games. Uh, two disappointing games. Uh, Last-minute goals going in to prevent Dale from picking up um, any more than one point. Uh, a 2-2 draw with Gillingham away from home, followed by a 4-3 defeat to Oxford. So we're going to go through those two games and sort of talk about where we are at at this point in the season. Uh, just over the halfway point, I think the Gillingham game was actually our 23rd of the season. So we are just over halfway in the campaign now. So it seems like a good point to, uh, to take stock and have a look at where we are. Uh, but we'll start with that Gillingham game, Ryan. I'll come to you first. Uh, when we saw the when we saw the team sheet, it's fair to say that our hopes were quite low. Um, with no Humphreys and no Beasley, in hindsight, given that it's, we're now five days on, can we look back on that as a as a positive point? Oh, hundred um, percent. I think I know. Sort of home and away doesn't really count at the minute, um, but. Gillingham away, you're always, if you can take a point away from there, you're happy, aren't you? Um, I think when the game went, we're disappointed in the end because of a last minute goal. But if you take, you know, about isolation, you're probably, you're happy with a point. I think the way the team was set up, having six subs, um, sort of, we were all pessimistic about it and wondered whether we should cancel the, uh, the live watch along. But I think in the end, it was a, a decent performance and, you know, a relatively decent point in the end, albeit disappointing with a last-minute winner. Yeah, uh, Luke. Equaliser. Yeah, equaliser. Um, yeah, Luke, you were on the watch long as well with us and it was fair to say it was a pretty devastating moment when, when that last-minute goal went in. Yeah, just gutting after, like Rice said, really, you, we looked at that team, didn't we? And I don't think there would have been many Dale fans that would have looked at the um, starting 11 and bench and, you know, would have felt optimistic. Um, you know, as soon as you see Humphreys out, um, I embarrassingly uh, started uh, lumping on, on Gillingham to beat us. Um, I said lumping, lumping within budget, mind. But, um, but yeah, you know, to... To play as well as what we did with the team that we had um, and to score the goals that we did because there were two good goals as well but also concede uh, two goals that have been very kind of similar goals to what we've been conceding for, for a while now. It's just, it was a kick in the balls for us, weren't it? And um, going to watch and I'm sure it was going for the, for the players as well. Yeah, and Chaff, the man who scored that goal, John Akinde, we sort of pinpointed it beforehand, didn't we, that He's exactly the sort of player that our defence seems to struggle against. Came off the bench and scored the goal, and it all felt a little bit inevitable, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's a very physical player. He's the guy's an absolute man mountain. But what's frustrating to me is the guy's got four goals this season. Three of them have come against us. So other teams are dealing with him perfectly fine. It's just we can't. So that's the infuriating thing. And the way we defended that goal that he did score. It's awful. Um, I think it's Oshaw's header is is a bit weak, and I don't know what Ryan McLaughlin doing and leaving him on his own. So he couldn't, he won't get many easier goals, I don't think. But yeah, he's a we we sort of pinpointed him as a threat because we can't deal with big men up front with our weak defence, and yeah, we we paid the price big time, and it was absolutely devastating. Yeah, right. Ryan Chaff's sort of touched on it there, but that goal, the way it was conceded was disappointing. But is it another case of us working really hard to score two goals, two good goals? I don't think anyone could argue with the two that we scored, but then conceding two that seemed really avoidable. 
Yeah, I've, I've said it numerous times this season, haven't I? Um, I said it on the Peterborough podcast that I went on a few weeks ago as well, that you know, our goals always seem to be really good goals and you watch them back and there's you know, 10 plus passes or it's a screamer. And then opposition goals, you're looking at mistakes and I'm wondering whether that's just because we support the club and I'm wondering if other teams are doing the same with our goals and saying we should have done better there and we've scored a couple of good ones. But that equaliser was just sloppy from both, and no chaff mentioned McLaughlin, but Roberts as well was ambling out and you've either got to get out quicker and play him offside or if you know you're not going to get there, you've got to pick him up and we didn't either of them. They left him in there on his own in the centre of the box, which I find normally with them sort of goals, they wider the target a little bit and you sort of miss them. But for him to be pretty much bang on in the centre of a goal was worrying. And I think, I don't want to, you know, keep hammering Roberts and I don't think it would necessarily just him at that. But you, you think if there's an experienced head in there, you'd like to think we'd get out a bit quicker. Um, whether it were tired legs, could have been, um, but it was so avoidable and like we all said, it was just gutting really. Yeah, I think it was just, it was even mega frustrating because uh, Oshel's header was actually, I thought it was a decent header, decent clearance. You know, you're thinking the worst when they were, um, you know, putting the long throwing in, but the header was, the frustrating part is that the header was actually a good one. Um, but is that like you just said, right, just kind of, You've got to get out as a team, aren't you? And I'm sure that's the kind of stuff that we we would be working on in training. Just kind of, you know, if you make that clearance, it's then either you're getting up as a team and someone's leading that line or or alternatively, you're staying where you are. But the thing that cost us was that half of the players went out and half of the players stayed in the box, didn't they? And um, I think it was Chath that made the point uh, when we were watching on Saturday, weren't it? Where it's got to be a dent of experience, that, and, and tiredness in the game. Because you can go out the window when it's a bit chaotic, balls in the box like that. Do you not think a little bit, a little bit of disorganisation as well? Though is it not something that that should be spoken about before that? You know, if we're sitting on a lead in the last minute, everyone stays in, stays behind the ball, or everyone gets out. Is that not the sort of thing that, that they should have discussed beforehand? Really, I, I'd expect it to be the case, mate. We're a professional football club in League One. Um, that's sometimes it's, I think it's things like that. That's the difference in you know in levels. Really, we we have all week to work on stuff like that and um like absolutely like we've we, we have to be better at that 100 percent um does it come down to individuals as well so not just players ability but character and, and personality as well do we have enough leaders in that team um that's questionable at the minute with the um with, with kind of the players that we've got available i think i know we're talking about saturday but there was a point on Tuesday, which worried me slightly when I think Roberts tried something and it didn't come off and they ended up attacking. It went out for a goal kick. And I remember looking and Osho was hammering him and Roberts didn't even look at him. He just he just looked away and didn't even look at him. So yeah. that's rightly or wrongly made me wonder whether Roberts has got the right kind of attitude and character because I, I remember seeing that and thinking... He's not. You've got to acknowledge the fact that he's giving you a bollock in here, or you know, do something. But he just didn't even look up. Yeah, that worries me slightly. And the fact that he was the one who was left in, as well as McLaughlin, um, as we've said, slightly. You know, your mind goes wandering, doesn't it, a little bit. I think. I think you bang on right because that 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 is evidently a player going in his shell. Be it because he's inexperienced, or be it because he needs to grow up, but when the loan signing who's playing his second game for the club who's been with us for less than a week is kind of, you know, wanting to deliberate after a mistake, what what is what you want to see is that positive body language where they're both communicating with each other to assess what went wrong and what they're going to do to make sure that doesn't happen again. And so yeah, like I was just as frustrated as you was, I think, just seeing that it was it was disappointing that. Chaff, I think Luke mentioned it a minute ago, but uh, it might have been right, actually, sorry. There was only six players on the bench in that game. Um, and we only made the one sub. We only made the one sub again on Tuesday. We've got a lot of injuries, so obviously the squad's looking a little bit weak anyway. But do you think it, it's probably part of the reason why we're conceding late and sort of running out of steam late on is that 
other teams have the opportunity to make five subs and can bring on five seasoned pros, whereas we're looking at, I think Hopper came on, didn't he, down in Gillingham, and then Newby was the only sub on Tuesday. It kind of shows uh, what we're up against in terms of the, the players we have available at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's disheartening when you see other teams make substitutions as well. I mean, on Tuesday night, um, Oxford made a triple substitution second half, brought on Sam Winnall, um, David Ford, and um, that Shadipo, who absolutely tore us a new one uh, down at the Kassam. And we, we've only made one, we've made less subs in two games than they made in that one move. And it's because we just don't have the options. Um, Joe, how many times has Joe Dunn been on the bench this season? I, I don't know, but he's never made it onto the pitch. So th- there's obviously an issue there as to why he's not made it onto the pitch. He's not seen as a realistic option unless it's an emergency. Um, Ethan Briley, um, we know he's very young um, and he's got to be treated the right way, but he's on the bench most games and he's made, what, four appearances? Um the, the, the players that we're, we're able to put on the bench because of the injuries we've got are not seen as realistic options because we're not using them. Um, how long is it since Tavares has, has, has been an, has used as an option? It's it's disheartening. The injuries don't help, obviously. Um, and it's obviously crippling us a little bit. But in a season where we can now make five substitutions with a wafer thin squad that we've got and only being able to make one is a huge thing, I think. And yeah, I think it does contribute to um, sort of tired legs at the end and lack of concentration and stuff like that. It, yeah, it's, it, it's horrible. I don't think it's any coincidence that since we've had all three centre-backs, experienced centre-backs out, we've conceded a couple of late goals. Um, you know, we earlier on in the season when we were you know if we were holding on to a point or holding on to a lead we were bringing an experienced centre out we were bringing McNulty on or we were bringing McShane on and you'd love to have that luxury so to have all three out and then you're just thinking of Tuesday and Saturday you'd love to have brought one of them on and just showed up the defence a little bit you know hold up, hold out for them points and then to, to have all three out and not have that option is it's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's like what you're trusting two very good centre backs, two you know very good centre backs with you know promising careers ahead of them, but they just not they've not got them leadership qualities you need at that le- this level of a game at that time in a game, and it's you can blame BBM if you want, but it's freakish to have three experienced centre backs out at the same time like this. I'd agree with that, Ryan. I think. The reason behind the implementation of allowing five subs, I believe, was because it was to kind of try and help teams deal with the fixture congestions as a result of COVID. Am I right in saying? Yeah. And is it potentially that? Are we, have we potentially shot ourselves in the foot a little bit? Are we getting those injuries because we haven't been able to make those changes? Because you look at the likes of Humphreys was a hamstring, um, and O'Connell hamstring, injuries that you'd associate with kind of potential overuse, um, you know, that kind of stuff, because I don't think there's been many where, you know, you've seen a player go off and be injured for a few weeks as a result of a, of a tackle. It's been kind of, you know, these these strains and whatnot, and um, we've not really protected ourselves with, with fattening the squad out, uh, which is tough. But as soon as, as, soon as I saw Oxford make those subs, um, you know, in, in the second half, I think just hit on to me that, me personally, and I appreciate kind of a lot of Dale fans are split down the middle on this, it feels, but kind of felt like, you know what, I feel more behind BBM now than what I ever have um, because he's definitely been dealt a tough hand with the freakish injuries that you say and, and obviously the the budget that we do always have, you know, every season really, but um, it just feels to be competing against that, you know, players that came off the bench for Oxford were players that on paper would walk into our team. Um, and, and we're competing, and you know, I think the big when you do look at that as a bigger picture, um, it's hard to argue with it. But what does make it tough is the emotion that gets involved when you concede the poor goals, when you concede the late goals, and when you throw the emotional side of it into that. I 
think it makes it more difficult to see that bigger picture. All this that we're talking about now is making me more angry at Jim McNulty for getting himself sent off. Um, because if he'd have been an option sort of late on in these last two games, we'd have come out with more points. There's no doubt in my mind there'd have been an experienced head, like Ryan said, to organise, even if he's not the best defender. I, I think we close them games out. Um, it's no coincidence, like Ryan said, it's no coincidence that we've conceded late when we've got no experience at the back. Um, so I hope Jim McNulty looks at that and it's all a little bit. If he hadn't done what he's done, we've got more points from them two games. Can I can I just make a point um, with regards to to being sort of a little bit more behind BBM as a result of sort of the hand he's been dealt? What I would say is I think I think we could have done more still within these games, which is why why I'm frustrated with him. In, in four of our last five games, we've been ahead in the second half and we haven't won a single one of them. And for me, that, that just screams poor game management, regardless of the players you've got out on the pitch. And I know it, I, I, you can't ignore the injuries. You can't ignore you know, the lack of experience and the suspension to McNulty and things like that. You've got to take that into consideration, which is why I'm not more angry than I am. But at the same time, it, 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 you cannot completely absolve the manager of blame when, you, when you're consistently dropping points from leading positions. And can I just read a few stats out that I picked out as well before? Which, again, I think, you know, it's not all down to the manager. It's down to, to the lack of quality he has. But I think it does speak to the way we're playing at the minute a little bit. So we rank second in the whole league for shots conceded inside our own box. We rank first for individual errors leading to goals. We rank 18th for clearances. Now, that for a team that's on the back foot and is as low in the league is really poor. Um, 24th for possession one in the final third. So we're the worst pressing team in the league, basically. And I, I'm just looking at that and thinking, I'll come to you, right? Because I, I think you'll disagree with me probably more than the other two. But I'm just looking at that and saying, at what, how much blame can you apportion just to, you know, the lack of players and, and the injuries and suspension? And how much can you say, well, actually, you know, Brian Barry Murphy needs to improve on a few things because if we just ignore it, then it, then it won't improve. Won't improve short term, no. Um, whether it, I think it would long term, but I think the one that stands out to me there is a clearance one. I'm surprised at, um, especially with O'Connell, you know, being in our side for the majority of the season. He's normally top on his own, isn't he? So to um, to be 18th is worrying. Um, and then individual errors being first. How does a manager solve that? Um, but unless you take out the player or you you make them learn, but you don't learn, you know, I'm, no matter what walk of life you're in, whether it's business, whether it's football, whatever you're in, the best way of learning is by making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. So the players will learn. I think I, I've always understood the frustration. Um, don't necessarily share... I share the frustration, I just choose not to vent it. Um, I think when you think of the young players in our squad, they will learn. Absolutely they'll learn. But it's not a short-term fix. And unless you completely rip up the game plan and rip up the the philosophy and bring someone else in who's going to be BBM when he first joined, it's not going to stop happening. And I'd much rather see us play this football than cut it completely, stop making individual mistakes and have a bunch of players who it just don't get any better because you only know one way of playing. I think, Go on, Chaff. I think you're right, Ryan, in that it's not a short-term fix, but it needs to be. Otherwise, we go down. It's as simple as that. Um, and I'm not BBM out or anything like that. I, I never have been um, and I don't see me being I think I think he's a very very good coach and will be a good man, a very good manager. Um, but if you look at the, you go back to the the, the lack of experience in the defence and the, how young the defence is. He's brought in a lot of young players into that defence, and we're missing the experienced ones. But 
He's brought in Amankwa from City, 20 years old. He's brought in Hayden Roberts, 18 years old. Bazunu's 18 years old. And then he's brought in Bowler, 22, and Osho, 22. And between them, before joining us, they've played five games at football league level. So I'm all for trusting young players if they're good enough. But are those young players going to help us massively when we're in the situation that we're in, in a relegation dogfight, which, let's face it, we knew we were going to be in um, before a ball was kicked. Now, obviously, he's not, he's not going to expect O'Connell to miss the, the amount of time he's going to miss or um, McNulty doing what he did. But he can probably guess that McShane's not going to play a lot of games. And yet we offered him a two-year contract, which now looks like a colossal waste of money that we evidently need. So I think BBM's got to shoulder quite a bit of the blame. And if he learns from, from that, then I think brilliant. And I think this week's huge, but I, I don't see... Reeling off them players that I've just listed there, I don't see that he sees experience as a major issue like we do. And that worries me. Sexy stats going on tonight, by the way. <laughs> Quality. Period. Um, I think, like, for me, I, I think the idea was that we probably that, that youth was to, was to complement what we had in the O'Connells and the McShanes. I think I don't think anyone was disappointed when we signed McShane. Yes, maybe question marks over two years. Maybe that's all we could have. Maybe he would have rejected a one year. Maybe that was the predicament that we were in. Maybe he wanted that security. Um, but I just think kind of with, with the way it is for us, we it's so apparent what's not right. And almost within that, that's a positive because I look back to um, towards the end of Keith Hill's reign and I just had a general feeling that we just weren't good enough. The team weren't good enough. The tactics weren't good enough. The method of playing weren't good enough, no matter how we tried to play. I think we lost that kind of method of play and we kind of became nothing. Um, nothing but a team that just wasn't good enough at the time. But in actual fact, like now, it's kind of, we talk about it every week and I know that's frustrating, but at least you can pinpoint where our weakness sits. Um, and, you know, the, the worry that, you know, the hardest thing to do is to put the ball in the back of the net as well. That, that worry isn't there. We're doing a lot of good stuff as well. Um, and and that's why I have a bit more, I suppose, feel as though I have a bit more patience with, with the manager and the way we're doing it because he's got a lot of the hard stuff right as well with one hand tied behind his back, in my opinion. And yes, I think he's made mistakes. And yes, I think there's a naivety, as, as kind of you allude to, chat, but... Um, at the same time, you've also got to kind of remember, you know, we, I think, we, you know, we're doing very well, you know, especially kind of going forward, bearing in mind again how we're shaping up with, with availability, player availability. Yeah, I think I agree with Luke and the young players we've mentioned. Manqua, yeah, was young. He was brought in to play alongside O'Connell, got injured, and then that's why we brought in Roberts, another young player. We'd never assigned the two together. To then sign Bowler was looked a good signing at the time. Um, relatively inexperienced, but 22, I wouldn't really class as being too young. Um, but they were to work with our experienced players, and unfortunately, that's not happened the last few games. But I think there were some I picked up on where we knew we were going to be in a relegation dogfight. I don't know if BBM. BBM can't plan for the season to be in a relegation dogfight. Or you're setting a completely wrong precedence to the players who are already in. You're setting a wrong precedence to the players who are coming in. And he'll have planned to build a team to be higher up in the division. Um, so to bring in, I don't know, what was the alternatives? If he, if he planned to be in a relegation dogfight, do you bring in a six-foot-five, 34-year-old clogger to just come and kick and head the ball 50 yards? Because that's... How do you long-term plan with that? You can't. So, for me, I think he's doing a... You, everyone knows my feelings on BBM. And I think he's playing the long game. And I, I personally like that. 
Um, and I think what he's doing is developing players. Yeah, some of them aren't, aren't ours and we probably don't care that much if Aidan Roberts is going to be a top player in five years because he won't be with us. But there's players in and around the squad who will be better players in you know, three to five years for us. And it's down to the way that BBM's playing and the methods that he's putting in place. What I would say to that, sort of, I think trying to trying to understand the frustration from other fans' points of view as well as my own is, okay, I, I see what you say about at the start of the season you can't plan to be in a relegation dogfight, but what about now? Because we are in one now. So now do we plan for the rest of the season to be in one or do we keep doing what we're doing and hope that it'll be enough? Because to me, it seems like there's got to be a slight change in tact. We, we, can't, we can't pretend that we're in mid-table when we're not. You know, by, by the time some people are listening to this podcast, we could very well be in the relegation zone. So now is when we've got to take stock and say, well, okay, we, we've sort of put, put the foundations in place and okay, we're not in the relegation zone, but we are having a battle and we've got to start trying to win games because sometimes to me that doesn't seem like, okay, yeah, we're obviously trying to win games, but it doesn't seem like it's the, it's the priority. And even BBM said it himself, didn't he, when he was on the, on the uh, Not The Top 20 podcast, that his, his whole philosophy and the joy that he gets out of it is more from developing players, which in the long term is great, but it's not great if you get relegated in the process. And Luke, um, one thing I'd say to what you said as well about, about it being clear what, what we need to improve, I felt that way about BBM since the start of last season. And I, I'm not sure if he does. And even if, if he does, which maybe he does, maybe he does, it's not what he says to the fans. The fans don't read quotes after the game say, and that say, we need to improve defensively. They read stuff that says, we're improving defensively. We demonstrably aren't. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I believe that he knows and he's just trying to sort of keep things sweet in the, in the post-match interviews and stuff. But I can understand why fans are reading it and th- taking it at face value and saying, well, that's just not true. Yeah, I, I think you're right, mate. And, um, you know, I'd, let's just pull the wool over all of our eyes. But I think that's purely a case to protect the players because, like we said, the young and, you know, they, he probably, he's probably protecting them by coming out and saying that. And that's why I personally take it with a pinch of salt. But if you took it literally, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it's baffling if you took it word for word. Another thing that I picked up just talking about his interviews and whatnot is that I mean, we're crying out for know-how, in my opinion. We're crying out for some, you know, for some experience and, and people who know the lower leagues and who can kind of, you know, um, add to what we've already got. But BBM said a few weeks ago in an interview about uh, recruitment that um, we're ahead of Accrington, as an example, in the law market. Um, but we're actually below Accrington in the free transfer market. And I think what he meant there was... Premier League teams and whatnot will would prefer young players to go out to Rochdale because we've got a track record of, of developing them, and I think that's what he meant by that. And he alluded to it on the podcast that he came on. He kind of said the outlay actually is pretty low, at, you know, this season with regards to wage contributions and whatnot. Um, so I just wonder, you know, again, you're not going to bring in loan players really um, from Premier League clubs for players who have got no head they're going to be loans or free transfers where you're going to be contributing towards a wage. And I don't know if we've got it. I don't know if we've financially got the money to, to bring in that type of player. I think we've got know-how. We just all out. We've, you think of the three centre-halves, all experienced. God knows how many football league games they've got between them. I can't bother counting. Jimmy Ryan, who's sitting in front of him, has got know-how and he's been out for... I can't remember the last game he played. I can't remember him playing. Mm. But I think we've got know-how and I think to touch on something you said Dean in terms of not improving defensively I'm going to sound like an idiot here but I think the last couple of games we've looked better Doncaster we looked better we looked okay defensively I think Gillingham we all gave Morley man of a match and he was, oh no that was a week before weren't it but we we looked better defensively I thought and it was a last minute equaliser yeah which was poor I think in the, generally in the game, we looked okay defensively. And then Tuesday, which I'm sure we'll move on to anyway, but out of those, it's, it's the individual mistake. Tuesday, there were two or three where it's just poor mistakes, two from a goalkeeper. 
So I think structurally we look a bit better defensively this year, but it's just we're not getting a rub of a green and it's individual mistakes, which we need to cut out, obviously. And it's it's set pieces, albeit it, there was one on Tuesday, weren't there? But he was massive, weren't he? But I think generally over the last few games, we've looked okay. I know we've conceded a lot of goals, but I think it'll come... We're scoring too many goals to keep losing 4-3. I don't think it's going to happen all season. Or are we conceding too many to like many games? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's tough, isn't it? But I think once we get a couple of players back or a couple of players in, it'll be completely different. I kind of get what you mean there, Ryan. I think I think maybe it's like a kind of open play shape and open play defensively. Again, I don't see teams slicing us open, you know, I, the goals that we're conceding are individual errors and set pieces. There was two on Saturday because I came the first one because it was a clearance again from corner and then they ended up scoring. So kind of like a second phase set piece. It all, you know, it's all, for me, it's still a set piece almost, but I kind of get what you mean. It's, it, but yeah, we, the problem we've got at the minute is like we've never been good at defending set pieces and now we've got the smallest team we've ever had. <laughs> so... It's a combination of the two. On Tuesday, I know we're probably going to come on to it at some point, but we do keep sort of going over the same points without actually talking about the subject, really. It's on Tuesday night, on Tuesday, when it took us three minutes before Bazunu had to make a really good save, and it came from an attack of our own that ended up with Jimmy Keohan being one on two. From yeah. We can't do that and and expect to, to not concede goals. Um, it's I just I couldn't believe what I was watching. Yeah, Keoghan, he does his best. He heads it and it falls to um, was it a gay um, who forced Bazuna to say? But if we're going to be as open as that, we we go, we're going to concede goals, and it's it's happening far too regular and. We just don't seem to learn from it. How many times have we been? Have we seen it where teams on the counter attack just look like they're going to score every time? This every time they break, and I just don't. I don't think the way we start games needs addressing because it's almost like we plan to go one 0 down and come back. That's how it seems at the moment because. It happens often enough. It's like we don't start until they go 1-0 up. And then we stop when we go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Your turn now. <laughs> um, I just want to touch on a few a few little things from the Gillingham game because I think there, there were positives, a lot of positives from that game, I thought. I, th- I, felt, I felt it was one of those that, you know, you take that, that one second out at the end and we all come away from it thinking, what a really hard for turnarounds, a display sort of backed against the wall with the players we had out. And Ryan, a few players that I thought deserved a bit of credit from that game. One who doesn't get, get it very often is Stephen Dooley. I thought he was excellent. Maybe our man of the match. Uh, Osho, I thought, had a very good debut. And you, you, I think you touched on it there, didn't you, with Aaron Morley shielding the defence did. It was the sort of display from him that we've kind of wanted from him all season. Yeah, there were a lot... It's tough because I think when you look back to Saturday, there weren't many, there weren't really anybody who I thought had a poor game. I think Rathbone looked back to his best, doing what he does best. Morley were excellent, Dooley were good, Osho were really good. Yeah, there were a lot of a lot of positives to take, and I think it went, I think Keowen deserves it. I know he's got the two goals, but I thought he played very well as well, and I think he's been he's up for. Had Lum not got the goals he'd got. He'd be up there with Humphreys for me for player of the season because I think he's been excellent all season. Um, certainly filling in on both sides. But yeah, there were a lot of good performances on Saturday. And like you said, we're a second away from this being a lot more positive than it seems right now. Like that's what you deal with in football and it's split seconds and it's one dis- well, two decisions from McLaughlin and Robertson. We- we doom and gloom again, but yeah, it was, it's tough because it was a good performance, like you said. Uh, 
But yeah, a lot of good performances. Luca, we'll move on to the to the Oxford game then now, I suppose. But you said before, Andy, didn't you, that you felt four points you would have been really happy with. And I suppose you take that one second out at the end of the Gillingham game, you take the second out at the end of the Oxford game and we get those four points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, what what is the most to say, really, apart from, you know, we've kind of gone over the reasons as to why it happened, I think. And, um, you know, like Rice said, it could have been so much different with uh, a bit more experience in the team. Chaff made, you made a cracking point, mate, about, you know, if we had Jim in there, you know, would it have happened if we were able to get Jim on? Not like he's kind of, you know, our saving grace or anything, but just to add that know-how and experience. Um We've got to keep going, though. You can't just you can't just kind of give up because we've conceded two late goals in two games, and um, you know it's the players have got to pick themselves up, haven't they, and, and go again. Um, and I hope kind of you, I think you kind of see times like this, players do kind of you know the players with the right character will step forward. Um, we might be asking it, them to do it a bit earlier than than what they kind of should be doing it in the careers, um, but that's not to say that they're not going to be capable. Chaff, let's um, let's dig into that winner then. Uh, I suppose we're gonna have to. I think you've been. I think it's fair to say you've been a little bit more um, praising of Bazunu through the season than me. So I'll sort of throw it over to you to defend him a little bit. But I, I've always felt all the way through the season that he has mistakes in him. Um, I'm not sure some of the saves that that he gets credit for are as impressive as people think. I mean, the one against Gillingham on Saturday with Ogilvy's header. I think if that goes in the net, if that's if that go, if that's lynching there and it goes in, everyone on Twitter loses their mind. So I'm just thinking, Bazunu, are the saves he's making as good as people as people are making out? But also, um, you know that that mistake in the last minute it, it shows not only a lack of experience but a lack of quality and sort of, I guess, game intelligence. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, your Lynch analogy, I'll throw that back at you and say if Sanchez saves that, everybody raves about it. Possibly. Um, but I, I, I still think there's a very good goalkeeper there. One that does make some good, some really good saves. I thought he made a couple of really good saves on Tuesday. Um, but it's absolutely overshadowed by the colossal cock-up at the end where he absolutely doesn't need to be where he is. Offshore is a yard away from him. Just put your foot through it and put it into the stand. But it just doesn't happen. He came out and I don't... I've looked at it a couple of times and I think he's trying to clear it. I think he's trying to get a lot more power on it than, than what happened. But it's it, it's absolutely inexplicable to do that at that stage of the game, and all it's down to is a lack of experience, potentially overconfidence, and really poor game management. We like like we've said we, we're seconds away from four points, and we've ended up with one through mistakes like that. Um, he will learn. There's no doubt about it that he's got a very bright future in the game of football. Um, is it too early for him to have a real positive impact for us in his career? Maybe he's going to make more mistakes with us than he will do at his next club, for example, probably, because he's got that, he'll have that experience. Um, it's, yeah, he's, there's still a very good goalkeeper there, but one that has to take responsibility for that absolute cock-up. And it's not like it's not happened before this season because he got lobbed from the halfway line against Stockport. Um, just down to poor position. The, the, the second goal, was it the second goal in the game as well? I'm putting it at his feet because it, he's, he's out of position. The, the ball, it's hammered home. But it's not in the it's not in the corner. I think he's just flat footed and out of position. So it's like I don't know, goalkeepers they get any mistake a goalkeeper get is highlighted 
tenfold to a mistake that a midfield ever makes. But it's yeah, it was frustrating, massively frustrating. Yeah, Chaff touched on the Rooney goal then. I think he's been pretty shaky since then. I think I actually think a couple of times on Tuesday and a couple of times on Saturday. I think he's since that goal he's been a lot deeper than I'd like him personally. I think there's been a couple of times when a team's ca- the one we mentioned when it KOM were one on two and the goal, I think he could have been a bit further out. And I think that might help us press and win the ball back higher because we won't get counted quite as easily because the de- defence could push on. Whereas when you look at us with two centre halves, the distance between the two centre halves and midfield is always too big because the defence are dropping deeper and deeper whereas if Bazunu comes up and the defence pushes onto the halfway line and just past it I think we're in a better, better position but I think the fourth goal I've not watched it again to be honest but he was obviously trying to clear it I think he's expecting it to bounce a bit more than it did don't think it's a lack of quality that I don't even think it's a lack of experience I just think it's one of them mistakes that a goalkeeper will make every 10 years every decade I think we've seen better goalkeepers than Gavin Bazunu do stuff like that and worse. And one thing I want to touch on just before that was Morley's probably lack of experience and naivety. To I know we're all probably jumping and hoping that went in, but for him to try that shot from the halfway line, you've either got to complete, you've either got to put too much on it, or you've got to make sure it goes in, or you keep the ball. So I, I think that was a bit of naivety from Morley as well. Not to win a game, all right. It's to win a game, that. If we're what if we're leading, then maybe. But you know, that nearly won us the game. It didn't, though, did it? And I think there was better options for him for him to do than that. We've seen it before. He's shot from kickoff several times. He did it bolting away. He's got it in his locker, and it's never once gone right. I agree with the kickoffs, like that's frustrating. But that, I think he, you know, he had every right to go to go for it, and it nearly came off. And it worked like we were, you know, knocking on the door and looking really dangerous going forward. You know, I don't think we would have done much if we kept it. You know, at that moment in time, I'm not sure. Their defence was very high at the time, and I think there was a probably a pass there through to. Like I said, I've not seen it back, but there was probably a pass there through the lines into an attacker to run onto. So I thought that was daft, really. One sort of player, again, that I think you mentioned in in regards to the Gillingham game, Ryan, but Rathbone, I thought it was another good performance from him, sort of doing what he does, like you say, ratting. The energy that he he expends in every game is incredible. But do you think maybe, Luke, the fact that he is the captain without O'Connell speaks to the lack of experience because I just don't see him as like a, a, a Gary Jones or a Peter Cavana type of player. No, I think, you know, to be a proper captain, it's not something that you need to work at. It's something that comes natural to you. Um, and, you know, a Gary Jones, you could just tell the way Gary Jones was, his demeanour, you know, the way he came across, he was a proper captain. Um, I think Ollie's one of them were. I can kind of see him being a captain as far as he's got the armband. So, you know, you do see him kind of trying to get behind the lads, trying to lead by example with his kind of his performances. But um, I don't necessarily see him as, um, you know, natural captain material, albeit he is probably the most natural one at the minute with the players that we've got. Um, He's not knocking Ollie. Ollie's a solid lad, you know, a solid player for us. Um, but captain material, I, I don't see it. He doesn't use it, put it that way, like a Gary Jones did. I, has captaincy and the role of captaincy changed though in football over the years? Because you don't always get the Gary Jones type captain um, within a squad. Um, I'm thinking sort of David Beckham at Manchester United in England. He's not somebody who's going to bollock anybody. And obviously, Rathbone's not going to bollock anybody, but he, his work rate is sort of something that other players would look at and say, yeah, he's, he's absolutely working his bollocks off. So it's, it's leading by example. Um, and, it, he's, and even at 24 years old, 
he's probably one of the most ex- experienced players that, that we have. Um, I, I don't. I think. I think having the the armband in O'Connell's absence has has helped him. I think he's been. I think he's been better. I think he's been a lot better with it than without it. Um, this this is. I think against Gillingham, he was my man of the match. Um, I thought he was outstanding against Gillingham. Um, as was Stephen Dooley, who I, I always give a lot of stick to. I thought Stephen Dooley had a really good game. But Rathbone, for me, was the was the man of the match that game. And I think he's better for having that responsibility. Um, and I think different players do it differently. Um, I listen to a, that podcast that, that we go on about all the time, Ryan, um, the Sean Dyche one. Um, he, he alludes to it as well in, in that podcast that one of the first things he learned as a manager was that your captain doesn't always have to be a Roy Keane, a Steven Gerrard type. There are different ways to, to lead your team. I think Rathbone's done a very, I think he's done a really good job um, since he's since he's had it in O'Connell's absence. Yeah, sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to come across like I didn't think you were doing a good job or anything because every single word that you said there, mate, I completely agree with. And if you're saying to me, pick your captain now and on the teams that we've got available, it's Oli Rathbone every time. Um, I just think he, in an ideal world, he's one of them where when you go to Sean Dyche, who probably tries to build a team full of captains, he's one of them rather than the one that actually wears the armband as such in an ideal world with the ideal squad. He's one of them that kind of, you know, he's someone to be relied on and seen as a senior pro, even though he's, you know, he's kind of, you know, 24, however old he is. Um, so, yeah, I didn't want to come across like I was being too harsh there because I, I don't think I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> At the risk of sounding, you know, like a proper football man, um, <laughs> I feel like the scenario is is kind of what I'm getting at here, though. Like, I don't mind a player like Rathbone being captain if we're a mid-table side with, like, not loads to play for. I just don't know if when the chips are down, he's the kind of guy who, like, say, bollocks people and gets people, you know, fired up and going again. Or even just concentrating for things. I think he's probably more, like you say, one of those guys that the people look up to within the squad. But I don't know if he's that absolute leader who changes games for us. Like, in my opinion, what McShane did against the crew. Um, uh, another player that I'll just touch on quickly, because there's quite a few things that I still want to ask you. But um, just a bit of praise for Matty Doan as well on Tuesday. Cracking goal. And that first half, overall, I was wondering... If they were going to have to, um, if they were going to have to drug test him at full time because he looked like a completely different player in that first forty-five minutes, um, but we'll, we'll sort of bring on, come on to the sort of reaction after the game, um, and Chaff, it, it, it's frustrating watching the fallout from these performances, isn't it? Because obviously everyone's disappointed and everyone has very polarizing views at the moment with regards to the manager and, and I guess the direction the club's heading in, in some cases um, towards the board as well. Um, do you find that on Twitter and Facebook, especially, also the forum as well is, is guilty of it, that the reactions seem to be so sort of forced into two camps and, and people trying to find that middle ground seem to be shot down one way or the other? It certainly seems that way. I've had that this week. I mean, you can back the manager and still outline what you think he's doing wrong and not a lot of people sort of react that way um, they just think you're being negative but you're saying what you see really and you can do that and still want the manager to succeed and still think he's the right man for the job but it does seem like we do have a very, you mentioned there, a polarising sort of situation where there's quite a few people who are completely pro Brian Barry Murphy and there's some that, even if he kept us up this season, want him gone. Um, and I'm not sure I've, I've, I've known that for... The, the closest you're probably going to get is, is Paul Simpson. There are quite a few people who... Rated Paul Simpson as a manager, 
thought he was going to go on to bigger and better things. And there was a lot that just saw what we were like in the league and who were shite and wanted him gone. But you can be in the middle. I class myself as being in the middle, um, even though it doesn't always look like it. So, the, yeah, reading the fallout from, from the games is, is, is hard because you see the two extremes and you don't particularly agree with either of them. Um, but you don't, you, you, you can't shout that loud enough um, compared to the other two camps. Right. Um, I know. I don't, want, I don't want to sort of push that any further, that sort of gap in opinions, you know. I, I just wanted to, to make a few points with regards to some of the things that people are saying, you know, the fact that we're still outside the relegation zone and things like that. Um, we, are, we are outside the relegation zone on points per game at the minute if it was to stay the same. I think we'd end on something like 44 points, which wouldn't be enough to keep have kept us up in any of the last nine uh, League One seasons and every team below us has made more additions to their squad in January. Do you think it's maybe a little bit dangerous for us to go, well, we're not in the bottom four now, so we won't be at the bottom of the season? Because it feels to me like that is that is the outlook some people have. Tough one to answer that. I don't. Who is it dangerous for? <laughs> yeah, maybe dangerous isn't the right word, but you know, just naive. Naive, yeah, naive would maybe. Possibly, I'm not. So I'm not one of them who says we're outside a relegation zone now, so we won't be at the end of the season. I'd just stop it at we're not in a relegation zone now. Um, you can say, you know, if we don't make additions, we're going to lose every single game for the rest of the season. You might be right. You can equally say we might win every game from now until the end of the season. You might be right. Both of them, you're probably going to be wrong. But I think what frustrates me is when people base their opinions on an assumption on what they think is going to happen. So BBM needs to go because if we don't sign anyone, we're going down. Well, how do you know that? You can't possibly know that. And yeah, teams around us are making additions, slightly worrying, but at the same time, Wigan have signed a couple of players that I've seen people say, oh, I wish we'd signed them. We've just been bummed 5-0. So, you know, there's, there's players teams are signing, but again, it's an assumption that they're automatically going to improve the team when they might not. And it might be frustrating. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for me to see. Anybody, any fan to see that we're not adding to the squad where we need to add them and we've not done yet. There'll be reasons for that. I'm, I'd let... Oh, I'd, I'd bet so much money that BBM's trying to sign players. All the money. I'd lose my house for it. It's just not happening. We don't know why. We'll probably never know why. But there'll be reasons for us not being able to sign players at this moment in time. And, yeah, I, I suppose, yeah. That's why I get frustrated and that's why I've left to her. Because <laughs> it's the, the opinion based on assumptions. And if you know anything about my work, it's one of our values. Don't assume, find out. So, you know, base your opinions on what's going on here and now. Facts and not on presumptions. I think it's just a case of waiting. We've seen it so many, so many transfer windows where, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm massively guilty of it myself, especially in the, like in the, in the last few it does frustrate you not seeing people come in before deadline day. Deadline day can be a very busy day. I mean, let's face it, last last year, last January, who expected us to bring Matt London? Um, we worked tirelessly through the day, by all accounts, to bring in CJ Hamilton that didn't quite work. Um, that's two players that that could have come in. If we sign two players on deadline day and the, the the defenders, a lot of these presumptions and worries will be impacted in a positive manner. Um, so just wait to see what happens on deadline day. Um, we we play the long game. We're known for it. We wait to see 
who's going where and what deals can be done um, and, and what's available that's the best option for us. One thing I will say, and I mentioned it to you a lot before, how many times has BBM been told no by our board in terms of players? It doesn't seem like it's often. He got Stephen Humphries, his number one target. We paid money for him. We paid money for Jake Beasley, who, let's face it, he's he, that obscure signing that he can't possibly have been a like a, a last-minute thought to have, have paid money for him. He's obviously seen him and, and, and rates him. He said he got his number one pick in bowler. We got a number one centre-half last year in O'Connell. And we got Bazunu in, who will have been first-choice goalkeeper as well. So, he, it's generally speaking, what BBM wants, he gets. Um, and, yeah, I think we, we've just got to... I mean, today... I mentioned it to you a lot, but um, Preston have got a, a left back called uh, Josh Earl, who's who I, I rate as a player, and he's gone to Burton on loan, and it annoyed me massively. Um, Adam Lewis, Liverpool left back, mate, who's a Liverpool fan, raves about him. Went to Plymouth, scored on his debut. That annoyed me. We've just got to be a little bit patient. We've just got to trust that somebody who's got the majority of his recruitment right in the whole time he's been here to do it again. Yeah, I think, but hopefully, you know, by the time even, again, some people might be listening to this podcast, you know, we could have signed two or three players. We don't know. And I think that was, again, part of the reason I was sort of pushing back against some people who I feel are almost blindly positive regard with regards to BBM is that they were blaming the board rather than, rather than giving BBM any blame. And I don't think that's fair. And I'm not, I am not the biggest fan of this board. I will hold my hands up and I've criticised them before on air and on the forum. But for you to go just turn around and say, oh, it's the board's fault for not giving him any players. When, like you say, they have given him pretty much everyone he wants. They've spent money on two transfer fees this summer, which I don't think has ever happened before at our club. And I know there was players left on, that were on big wages as well, but, it's not like they are not giving BBM what he what he's asking for, and in some cases, you know, it's what it's BBM's sort of. It's a criticism of BBM that he gave contracts to players that probably didn't deserve them or didn't deserve the length, and that's maybe backed him into a corner now with regards to where the budget is in terms of getting those players in. I don't I I don't blame the board, and I think that's why again I was pushing back a little bit saying. If you blame the board completely, you're absol- you're absolving BBM, and I don't think it's a fair criticism of the board in this in this circumstance. Yeah, <laughs> Luke. W- one last question, sort of on on the transfers, possible transfers, and it's not something I don't think any of us personally believe this, but some people are a little bit frustrated at the fact that there's some new staff coming in off field, whilst we're not seeing any players come in. Can you understand that frustration? Because obviously we we're not privy to to what the playing budget is or anything, but there may be some supporters looking at that and thinking, well, if we've got the money to 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 hire these guys, and that's not denigrating, you know, the job that they do, and they, they are needed by the club. But can you understand some people being a bit frustrated and being like, well, if we've got money for that, why don't we have any new players coming in? No, I don't understand it because I think the the positions that we filled. Um, positions that have been needed, um, you know, on the HR side, we're not just, a, you know, a, a football team. We're a business, aren't we, as well? You know, so it's needed, um, and it's all to make us a better kind of, it's a better proposition, a better, a better football club as as a whole. Um, and a goalkeeper coach, number one, I don't think goalkeeper coaches tend to demand such high wage at this level of football. I don't think coaches in general actually get paid mega bucks at this level, you know. And clearly, we, if we haven't got one, we need one. I don't think there'll be a, football, a club in the football league who hasn't got a goalkeeper coach these days. That's a thing of the past. Um, I think Man City want to loan out Gavin Bizzouni to Rochdale. Um, and Gavin Bizzouni's kicking balls up in the air and catching him for practice. You know, it's needed. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And by the sounds of it, the chap that's come in, he's going to offer a bit more than just a goalkeeping coach. Um, he's got experience from managing and he's been around the block. So it's a good move. 
And it's a move that even I've kind of questioned in, in conversation outside this podcast around the experience in the, in the backroom staff. Um, so absolutely needed and it's separate to the playing side of things, in my opinion. Um, I don't think it's a choice where BBM goes, makes the decision to get a coach instead of a player. It just so happens to be that we've needed a, a goalkeeping coach, for example, and we've gone out and got one. Um, and I don't see that affecting our ambitions to sign players. I agree 100% with that, Luke. Um, do we genuinely think that if BBM says, I need a goalkeeping coach and I need a left-back, the board are going to say, we can have one or the other? I don't think that's the case, to be perfectly honest. And in terms of people thinking we don't need a goalkeeper coach, and I have read that, by the way, that's genuinely what I've read and I've had to look twice. Um, in terms of not needing a goalkeeper, like you just said there about Bazunu um, kicking it up in the air and catching it, it doesn't. we've had part-time goalkeeping coaches over the last 12 months or however long it is since Steve Collis left. Um, we had the lad from Scotland whose name um, escapes me, um, came in briefly and then we've had Andy Lonergan briefly um, we've had coaches from the FA briefly how does how, how, how does that help our goalkeepers on our books build up any kind of relationship from player to coach um, a bond it, it doesn't does it it's not ideal at all so to get somebody in as experienced as this guy is, no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer for me. Guess what? Bazoon is going to need that more than ever after after the mistake that he made. He's going to need that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we've kind of put the season to rights a little bit tonight, lads, but um, we'll see how it goes in the next few days, I suppose, not only with a massive, massive away game at Bristol Rovers on Saturday, but also with the last couple of days of the transfer window and obviously we've all got our fingers crossed for a left back and maybe one or two more to come alongside it. Have you got time for a quick game before we uh, before we call it quits? Yeah. Go on. Why not? So um, I've gone not too far back in the past at all. Dean, just let Rye get his Google out. <laughs> I'm going to keep my hands up. <laughs> Uh, so I've gone through a game that's not too far in the past and um, it was a, a, another massive victory at the Memorial Stadium home of Bristol Rovers. It was the 1-0 win for Dale towards the end of the 2018-2019 season. I believe we were in the pink away kit, not the bright pink one, but the sort of pale pink one. Um, it was April 2019. So I think... Who was the winner? I mean, the last one, just so people know, the last one I had to cut out because it didn't really work properly, but I think, Jaff, did you win it? Yeah? All yeah, right. Jaff, Jaff, you can go first, and then Luke, because of where you are on my screen, and then Ryan, you can go first. I will go with Ethan Hamilton. Yeah. Scored the goal, of course. Endor. Yep. I was far too drunk for this game, Dean. <laughs> 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 what an away trip yeah that's um, a great weekend he banks Landell yep uh, Callum Camps yep Ollie Rathbone he was on the bench he got away with one there Wilbraham yep when was it what What month was it do I get that April Andy Lonergan incorrect I <laughs> <laughs> thinks he's won it can Luke pull off a shock? Lewis. Correct. I did that too soon, didn't I? <laughs> Dawn. Yeah, came off the bench. Jim. Jim. McNulty. Correct. Matheson. 
Oh, unlucky guy. Luke, is that your first win, Luke? That's our first one, man. Absolute scenes. <laughs> scenes in the Walsh kitchen right now. <laughs> All right, I'll just run through it dead quickly then. Uh, Josh Lewis, Ethan Evans, Landale, Jim McNulty, MJ Williams, Stephen Dooley, Callum Camps, Ian Henderson, Jimmy Keoane, which is why I asked about. <laughs> I didn't know it's that Luke's top had come off. Top on swinging it round his head. <laughs> Tops off if you love the day. <laughs> uh, Joe Bunny, Aaron Wilbrand, Ethan Hamilton, and then the bench was Ryan Delaney, Calvin Andrew, Ollie Rathbone, Matt Doan, Daniel Adshed, Raquel Pike, and Brad Wade. Uh, so Luke's first win. Might have to go more recent, more often, so he can get a few more on the board. But uh, I think that brings this episode to a close. So all that's left for me to say is thanks for joining me, Chaff. Yeah, you're welcome, mate. I needed that therapy session. <laughs> Cheers, Luke. Cheers, mate. Oh, cheers as always, right? Yeah, nice one, Dean. Cheers, lads. Catch you next time. Up the Dale.